You're listening to a message from Micaiah Ermler, lead pastor of Southridge Church in San Jose, California. This week's awesome message will start in a few seconds. But first, we hope you will stay connected with Southridge by liking us on Facebook or by following us on Instagram and Twitter. Search for the handle at Southridge Now and click the follow button so you can receive uplifting, encouraging content right in your feed. Thanks again for listening. And now, here is Pastor Micaiah. God bless everybody. Welcome to the house of the Lord. Go ahead and have a seat. We're so glad you guys are here with us today, man. My name is Misael. I have the privilege of being the Connections Pastor here at Southridge, and I am so delighted that you decided to join us. Um, there's a lot of great things happening here at Southridge, and I just want to share that with you. Um, so if you have your Bible, start getting them ready. Uh, if you have your notebook and your pen, go ahead and write down these dates. Um, but when you came in, our amazing host team, our greeters, uh, usually gave everybody the piece of paper that looked kind of like this. Um, and this paper, it has a template for reaching out to our selected officials here in our area. Now, you're asking, why would we do such a thing? We want the world to know, starting with our elected officials, how the church has impacted your life, how the church has transformed lives, and how the church is essential to the Silicon Valley. Amen? So we want everybody to go ahead and reach out to their elected officials. Let them know how the Lord has been working in your life. We put all of their emails on there. Let them know. Share it with somebody. And we ask that you go ahead and um, send that email. If you don't know what to write, we made it even easier for you. We put the sample letter in the back for you as well. Just remember to change your name from your name when you copy and paste, okay? So make sure you write your name on there. I really appreciate that. The second thing um, is next Sunday. How many of you guys like to eat by a show of hands? Show me your hands if you like to eat. Yes, everybody's hungry, especially at five, right? So next Sunday after the service, we're going to have a snack for you. Just a little snack, but it's going to be a good snack because we're launching our live groups next Sunday, and I'm super excited for that. Uh, we have eight groups that are taking off next Sunday. So after the service, make some time. We'll have a snack for you. Uh, they're meeting throughout the week. If you want to get a sneak peek of what our groups are going to look like, go ahead and check out our website under small groups. Most of our groups are going to offer what's called a watch party. And what that is, we're all meeting via Zoom, but there, there are certain groups that like having people over, right? So if you're comfortable being in somebody's house, you can go ahead and visit and watch from there and be part of that life group as well. So make sure you sign up for a life group next Sunday. So after the service, make sure you join. And then the last thing I want to share with you guys is our evangelism class. Right? Some of you guys have reached out to us saying, hey, I want to let people know about God. I want to share the gospel. I want to bring somebody to Christ this year before the year is over in 2020. Right? So we heard your cry and we're answering like the same way we're going to answer to our elected officials. Right? So we want you guys to join this evangelism class. And that's starting on September 27th, that weekend, that Sunday. And that same thing, we're going to do a Zoom and we're going to have a watch party available 
but we want you guys to be a part of that. So I invite you guys to join those dates. Join us here next week, and it's going to be such a really good time. So that's all the announcements I have for you. Um, I actually have the privilege of sharing the word with you guys today as well. So thank you for allowing me this privilege. Pastor Micaiah and Pastor Jane are actually ministering in Fresno this weekend uh, with, at a family member's church as well as seeing family. So I want to continue in the great uh, study or the great series that we're following called Church in the Wild. And we've been going through the book of Acts, and last week we covered Acts chapter 12. So now I want to invite you to open your books to Acts chapter 13. Um, if you don't know where it's at, it's after 12. So Acts chapter 13, it's right after Acts 12. And if you don't have it with you, just go ahead and look up on the screen. We'll have it ready for you. But we want to share what the Lord has brought for us today. Amen. And while you guys look that up, I also want to give a huge thank you to my family for allowing me the time to study. Because with three kids, amazing home kids uh, who are homeschooled right now, finding time is uh, delicacy, right? So for, for lack of a better word. So thank you to my beautiful wife who's here today for allowing me the time to prepare to share this message with you guys. So, all right. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Acts chapter 13. And yes, it's a long chapter, but we're only going to read the first three verses. I'm going to be kind. And as we go through, we're going to go ahead and just devour or uh, unwrap the rest of the, the chapter. So we'll read it in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Now, in the church that was in Antioch, there, was a certain pro- there were certain prophets and teachers. Barnabas, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius from Cyrene, Menin, who was also brought from Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Now separate for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then, having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. Let's pray for God's reading. Father God, we thank you for your word. We ask that you speak to our hearts today, Jesus Christ. And I thank you in advance, believing in faith, of what you're going to do. Amen. So I want to share with you guys something that happened to me recently. And when I mean recently, within the last week, uh, I was trying to get a hold of a certain individual and I called them, you know, that's what you do. You don't, send, you don't DM them, right? You send them a message or you call. But I actually called this person. But when I called, my phone sent me straight to their voicemail. I was like, oh, you know, maybe they didn't charge their phone. It's okay. It happens. So I left them a voicemail. And I called them again. And I was like, hey, uh, this is Miss Al again. Just want to say hello. Wanted to check in. Want to invite you to come serve. Hey, this is Miss Al. And I couldn't, for the life of me, I couldn't figure out why it just kept, in me, it kept sending me straight to their voicemail. So I just let it be. And a few days later, I actually ran into this person. I was like, hey, I called you. And they're like, no, you didn't. It's like, awkward. I was like, no, 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 I did call you. I left you a voicemail. They're like, that's funny. I didn't, I didn't get anything. So, you know, being the good person that I am, I bossed out my cell phone to bring out the evidence on my call log. I was like, yeah, look, I called you on, I think it was Wednesday. So they looked through their phone, I don't have anything. And I was like, I'm pretty sure I did. So I was like, let me call you right now. So I called them, and it went straight to voicemail again. And I was like, okay, I guess it must be, it must be my service. I have Sprint, you know, they're going to 5G. So, you know, I'm, I should just upgrade to Verizon, but I don't want to do that. So I was like, whatever, you know what I mean? Let's just, let's see. 
And as I'm talking to this person, I get this gut feeling. You know the feeling you get when you're embarrassed? You know, because I'm thinking, I think I got the wrong phone number. I think I'm calling the wrong person. And I'm just like, oh, my goodness. I hope they don't know that I'm calling the wrong person. I hope that person doesn't show up on Sunday. I'm here to serve. You called me? You know? So the point that I'm trying to get at is the, the, we start checking each other, right? And I verify the phone number. The phone number is correct. And I called them again, and they're like, oh, I know what happened. I get a lot of telemarketing calls, so I think I blocked your number. <laughs> and I was like, well, look at that. I was like, you know, like Scooby-Doo. And I just froze for a second, and I was like, well, I was just trying to invite you to church and come be a part of the host team. That's great. And, you know, we both laughed at the end. But as I was preparing for today, it got me thinking, how many times has God called on us and left us a message, but we never received it because we have blocked them in our lives? It made me think. I was like, wait, why don't we answer that call? Right? Because, see, Jesus is not concerned what kind of phone service you have, what kind of phone you have, whether you got 5G, flip G, 3G, it doesn't matter. He's just concerned at the fact that you haven't answered the call that he has placed over us. And the, the, what's more interesting than that, for the first time in a long time, the world and our surroundings are asking the same question. Why isn't the church answering the call or, and, or doing what they've been called to do? in today and age. See, the, the word church, and I know Pastor Mekhiza said it, and I looked at it a little bit further just because I like what he says, right? Um, the word church in itself, in, in the Greek, means ekklesia. And when I looked it up further, it's actually a compound word. So what it is, is the word ekklesia, the word is ek, means to call out, right? And the word kaleo, sorry, ek means out, but kaleo, the other part of the word, means to call out. So the word church in itself means a called out assembly. The word called out, meaning the past tense, meaning that they're not, hey, are you going to make that call? Or, hey, I'm calling you. What they're saying is the call has been made and we still have not answered it. What I find the most troubling is that laws are changing where our little ones are no longer safe where I can go into a big box store and touch every item and cough on everything and not have a limit on people, but I can't come to church without worry that somebody's going to stand outside and take my picture. But where is the church in all of this? What are we called to do in these trying times? What are, what are we supposed to do? What are we called to do when the things are changing and not in our favor? What are we supposed to do? Well, I'm glad you asked. So let's go back to our scripture in Acts chapter 2, right? Uh, sorry, Acts chapter 13, verse 2. And it says, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then having fasted and prayed. Can somebody say fasted and prayed? And laid hands on them, they sent them away. So they fasted and they prayed. So the first thing that the church is called to do, we are called for prayer and fasting. We are called to connect with God on a regular basis. And if you're wondering what the name of the message is, it's called called. <laughs> called, called, right? Past tense. 
because the call has been made. So when we pray uh, in today's day and age or in a modern text, it would be like, hey, we have a street going. We're staying connected, right? Fasting is, is, an, is willfully just abstaining or withholding, refraining from a noun, a person, place, or thing, right? Most commonly, people do that with food. Um, uh, if we were to think about fasting today, you would think of it as a challenge. Like, I'm going on a keto challenge. Like, who likes keto anyways? I like my meat, right? I like my veggies sometimes. <laughs> so, but the, the way we fast is the, the purpose is why we fast is to draw closer to God. See, we want to get closer to God. We want to build the relationship that we have with him. But that only happens when we dive deeper and have a stronger communication in prayer and fasting. I mentioned to you guys that my beautiful wife, she, she helped me out this week. But when I first met Ceci, I was, I was uh, what's the term? I was glowing up. I was, I was still... I had a prepaid phone, y'all. There it is. I had a prepaid phone. I didn't have a service. I just, I paid for my minutes as I went. And, you know, because I was trying to woo my wife, my, this young lady at the church at the time, and I was on a prepaid plan, I made sure that my 20 cents, she got a verse, like a text message verse every morning. Hey, God bless you. I want you to know that the Lord is not the only one who's thinking about you today. Oh, Yes. I am praying for you. This is Boaz, a.k.a. Misael, you know. <laughs> and I'm just sending this long text message because I'm paying for these text messages, like 20 cents a piece. Now, my beautiful wife now, she would respond, okay, praying for you too. There's 40 cents. How's your day going? Another six, you know what I mean? So they just kept on adding up. <laughs> And I remember that we would text back and forth, and she would mispost something, and she would correct it with another text message. And I was just like, it's okay. <laughs> my bank account and my minutes are draining, you know. <laughs> and I would call her, and I would make sure that I would have enough money. Or sometimes she would be like, what did you take so long to reply? Oh, my cell phone died. I was reloading, right? <laughs> so the reality is I was paying a price to woo her over because what I saw in her, I wanted her to be more than a friend. I wanted her to be my girl. Outside of my girl, I wanted her to be my wife. Outside of that, I wanted her to be my, 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 the mother of my children. See, I was willing to pay a price for a phone, but why are we not willing to pay a price in fasting and praying? We want to go closer to God. We want to grow our relationship with him, but yet, we can't abstain ourselves from binge-watching a Netflix show or getting stuck on Grey's Anatomy, season 16, episode 3, minute 42. That's where I'm at. <laughs> and the, the funny part about this, we laugh, but Netflix is not going anywhere. You could put pause and come back, and it's going to take you back right where you left. But the reality is our priorities are mixed up because we don't want to pay the price of stopping to watch something we could watch at any time. Got really quiet in here. I guess somebody, some of you guys have really good Netflix accounts. So, but the the what I'm trying to say is that prayer works. Prayer is 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 the is the connection that we have to God. Is the way we stay connected with Him. Is what allows us to have this ultimate conversation. So much so that the reason I'm standing here today is because there's a lady in Florida, Orlando, Florida, exactly. Her name is Julia Silva, my mother who at one time when the church saw me slipping away and nobody could do anything, she went on her knees and prayed. The reason I get to share this word with you today was because somebody was praying for me a long time ago. 
See, because there's power in prayer. When we pray, things happen. There's no, there's no coincidences in God. I just want you to know that. Because the book of Acts happened, the book of Acts is in a place after Jesus dies. It's the acts that happen after Jesus' death. But look at this. It's just an interesting fact for you guys that like little fun facts. The word pray or prayer is mentioned 34 times in the book of Acts. There's only 28 chapters. 34 times they mention prayer, um, 28 chapters. What does that tell you? Everything that happened in the book of Acts involved prayer. Which means that in order for God to act on our behalf, we have to pray. Prayer is followed by an act or a move of God. I'll prove it to you since you guys seem like you guys don't believe me. Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. And it's a very popular verse that we're hearing nowadays. And it says, if my people, which are called by my Christians, Christ, Christians, right? Shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face. Seek my face means fasting. We're going deeper. They want to get intimate. And turn from their wicked ways. Look what the next part says. Then. So look, look at the order of things. Pray, seek my face, and then. Then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and heal their land. See, the reason Paul was so effective in his ministry is because every time we find Paul, he is praying. Every time we see him, he is praying. When he was on the way to Damascus and he got knocked off the horse and he was blind, in his darkest of moments, we find him praying. I'll prove it to you because I like proving things through the Bible so you don't think I made it up when I was watching Netflix. Right? Acts chapter 9, verse 11. This is uh, the Lord is speaking to Ananias, and he's sending, uh, he's sending him to pray for Saul. And it says that the Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In his darkest moment, figuratively and literally, he was blind. He lost everything. He couldn't get around anywhere. Somebody had to walk him back. Saul was praying. Well, we opened up the verses that we read today. The first three verses said, what were they doing? I'll read them back to you. It said that they were fasting and praying. Before they went away, before, after they got the call, before they went away, they fasted and they prayed. We want a revival to happen here in the Silicon Valley. I was sharing that with the host team. We want God to move. We want God to show up. How we fasted and prayed. See, if you find yourself in a place where you're ineffective, pray. If you need direction, pray. If you're anxious, pray. If you're worried, pray. If you're sad, pray. If you're happy, pray. The Bible says pray without ceasing. Pray at all times. The more we pray, the more we recognize the voice of God. The more in tune we become. See, my kids and even my niece, they when I call my wife and sometimes they have her cell phone. They're playing Candy Crush or they're playing Fortnite on the cell phone. And they're like, hi, babe. I was like, that's not sassy. <laughs> you sound too cute. You know, <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. 
But what happens? I learned over the time that I spent with my wife, over the several conversations I had in my prepaid phone, over the regular conversations when I actually got a cell phone plan, I learned to recognize her voice. That's what prayer does. And Saul did the same thing. So as they leave, after they fast and pray, and they're sent away, and they're going through the cities sharing the message of God, Paul and Barnabas run into somebody who's an imposter. His name, and I'm, I can't make this up if I wanted to, y'all. Like, the Bible's just super interesting. His name was Bar-Jesus. <laughs> Bar-Jesus. Like, he was just an imposter. He was trying to imitate Jesus so much, he had to get, bar, like, you know when you hyphenate a name because you want to keep the other name? Oh, my name is Bar-Jesus. Check it out. Read it on my shirt. Right? <laughs> Hashtag hit me. Right? But what ends up happening is, was we read the rest of the chapter, uh, verses 4 through 12. I'm not going to read them to you. I'm just going to paraphrase it for you because I want you to read it at home. They said he had the whole town full, full, thinking that he was a prophet speaking the word of God. So when Paul and Barnabas show up, they have been fasting and praying, right? They have been preparing to go share the word. But before they did, they fasted and prayed. So when they finally arrive at the city... They hear this man talk, and Saul's like, mm, something doesn't sound right. You're saying the right words, but there's no, there's, no, uh, there's no substance in your words. There's something missing. You're trying to sound like somebody I know, but your name, there's something that's off. And Saul stands up to him and says, hey, looks him dead in the eye. That's what the word says. I can't make this up. It's better than a Netflix show. I told you. He looks him dead in the eye, and he goes, you son of the devil. Like, like, what? And everybody stopped and looked at him and called him out for the imposter that he was. Now, how is it that a whole town can be fooled by this man thinking that he's a prophet, but yet here comes Saul and Barnabas, and they see this man, and they recognize immediately that he's an imposter because they have spent time in the Lord's presence. They, have been, they answered the call to fasting and prayer. Now, let me ask you. Could it be that the reason the church is being led astray and not responding to the call of God is because we're lacking discernment in the absence of prayer in the body? And if you didn't know what discernment means, it's just a Christianese word for um, knowing what's right and wrong. Prayer and fasting brings clarity. Prayer and fasting bring, puts you in tune with what the Lord wants to share with you. Prayer and fasting brings power. Read Acts chapter 2 on your own. And it says, and you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. But before they did that, they were in the upper room praying. When the lame man was at the gate, guess what they were doing? They were on their way to church to pray for the third time that day because it was very customary to pray three times a day, 9, 12, and 3. And at the 3 o'clock time when they were there for the third time to go pray, they ran into somebody and they said a prayer for him and he was healed. Every prayer is preceded by an act or move of God. Every prayer, and the more you pray, the more you fast. And I know it's inconvenient, but you know what I learned, me personally, my victories come in prayer and fasting. There's things that I cannot change in my life that will only change through prayer and fasting. I have learned that I can miss breakfast for work and be okay, but the day I decide to fast, everybody brings me Starbucks and coffee. Those are facts. 
There's a reason why there's so much opposition when you willfully decide to fast, when you willfully decide to stand up. There's a reason why these things happen, because the enemy knows how powerful you are when you get connected to the source. The enemy knows that things change, and as things change, God begins to reveal his purpose. The second thing that we are called to do as a church, we are called for a purpose. We are called for a purpose. And we see that Paul and Barnabas, or sorry, Saul and Barnabas at this time were called for a purpose. And there we see it in Acts chapter 13, verse 2. I told you I was only going to read you the first three verses. As they ministered to the Lord fasted and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. They were called. They were called to do a work. What work were they called to do? What purpose did the Holy Spirit call them for? Because in chapter 13, it doesn't tell us. I'm glad you asked because I'm going to tell you what they were. (laughs) Barnabas was called in, uh, in Acts chapter 4, verse 36. And it says like this, Jose, who was also named Barnabas by the apostle, name called, which is translated to son of encouragement. He was an encourager. He lifted people up when they couldn't do anything. He was there to encourage. Now, let's look at Saul. What was Saul's calling? Because we don't see it in chapter 13. And we see that in Acts chapter 9. Pastor Micaiah talked about it a few weeks back. And it's in Acts chapter 9, verse 15. And this is Ananias when he's on his way to pray for Saul. This is what the Holy Spirit tells him. And that's how it begins. But the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles, kings, and children of Israel. Two callings. Paul was called to share the gospel to the Gentiles, and Barnabas was called to encourage him through and to encourage those that were listening. See, God didn't just give him a call just because he was bored. Um, it, it cracked me up when I was going through my feed uh, on TikTok. Oh, so uh, shelter in place baking. I was like, what? You don't bake on a regular? Like, you don't eat cookies, right? <laughs> Chocolate chip? No? Macadamia? No? You guys don't eat cookies? I'm the only one. Amen? I guess I'm with some brownies and milk. Yeah? There you go. In the back, they said yes. Glory to God for you too. Right? People do stuff when they're bored. Let me tell you, God didn't make you because he was bo- you were bored. Or he was bored. He made you because he created you for a purpose. God didn't just say, um, I have nothing else to do. Let me just have some fun and, oh, there's Misael. Oh, I messed up on his hair. Let's just make it curly. <laughs> he didn't do that. He created each and every one of us for a purpose. So the question here is, why do we ignore our purpose? Why do we ignore the purpose to which we have been called to? And as I was studying, there was three things or three, three common answers that just kept on coming up. The first one is, and the most popular one, which you'll probably hear often is, I don't know my calling. I didn't know Jesus can call. That's a telltale sign you don't pray. Uh-uh. <laughs> Ding, right? I figured it out. My response to that is, serve where you are. If you don't know your calling, start praying, 
and serve where you are. See, prior to chapter 13, uh, Saul and Barnabas, they were serving in every position before, what, before outside of their calling. They were serving people. It even says as you go through the chapters in Acts that at one point Saul and Barnabas went to take food and resources to a place that had gone through a drought. That's not what they were called to do, but they were serving where they were needed, right? When we started reading the text, it says there were teachers and prophets and it listed five people. And in those five people was Saul and Barnabas. They were serving where they even though it was outside of their calling. They were serving where they were. See, I like the way that somebody put it. And it says, you can easily steer a ship or a car if it's moving, but it's very difficult to steer it when it's sitting still. God loves to see people at work in what they know to do, and then he will give them further direction. That was beautiful when I read it. It just hit me. It's like, hey, why, why can't I figure out my purpose? Have you started praying and fasting? Yes. Have you started serving? No. Eh, there's an equation here that needs to work together, right? There's a reason why we, we invest time in growth tracks because we want you to know what your gifts are so you can start serving. And as you start serving, God will continue to reveal the purpose that he has for you. See, up until, cha- up until chapter 13, Paul and Barnabas were both serving in areas of the church until they received their call, their official call. See, they knew what it was, but they were officially called in chapter 13 because that's what they were doing. And I like what Paul wrote in Philippians chapter 121, and he said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. He was living out his purpose in Christ. He knew that his death, he knew that his death was worthy, was a life worth living because he had done, he had done what he was called to do. He had served his purpose. I know not, nobody likes to talk about funerals, but the reason Paul said this is because when you go to a funeral, most people are saying nice things about the person that passed. Now, can you imagine being at Saul's funeral or Paul, whoever you know him? Hey, I met him when he was Saul. I met him when he was Paul, Right? That's a, that's a whole different subject, but we'll get into it later. And imagine that his work, his purpose was still happening. Why? Oh, I met Saul when he was on his way to Damascus. Oh, I met Saul when he was teaching. Oh, he was the one that brought me resources. Oh, he was the one that shared the gospel with me. Even after he was dead, the purpose to which he was called was still being effective. See, a lot of times we, don't, we try to avoid our calling. Which is reason number two why we ignore it, right? And the the reason number two makes people in reason number one really upset. And is that there's people that know they have been called, but they ignore it because they're afraid of their purpose. See, we're afraid that we we will fail to measure up to what God has called us to do. So we become a jack of all trades, but a master at none. For the purpose of this message is we become a master of all trades but have purpose in none. See, I, uh, there's a movie. I, I'm a big Will Smith fan. Uh, you know, The Pursuit of Happiness. He's trying to find out, get that job, that ultimate job that's going to set him free from everything that's going on. He wasn't really looking for happiness. He was looking for joy. See, joy is only found in purpose. Because when you start serving what you have been called to, then that, that's where that term, if you like what you do, you never work a day in your life, that's called purpose. 
Joy comes when you start serving in what you have been called to do. But joy comes and shows up when you decide to answer that call that has been sitting in your voicemail for quite some time. See, people who ignore it always often become afraid. The word says, for I did not give you the spirit of fear, but of a sound mind. And I keep on quoting scripture to you because I could tell you everything I want, but if I don't take it back to the Bible, there's no substance. I would much rather die failing in my purpose than never have found one at all. And that's a tall order. And the reason I say that is because at one point, I was the one ignoring my call. I would remember I'd be drumming, and after the service would be over, hey, Miss Isle, I think you'd be a great pastor one day. Stop playing. Uh, right? If it was Cardi B, okay. Right, I can't do that. <laughs> and people would tell me, oh, you'd be great in ministry. I'm like, I'm already in ministry. I'm serving in music. Like, isn't that enough? I was afraid that I would never live up to the expectations that the calling had. But this is what I learned. God equips those who he calls. So if you're sitting on the sideline ignoring being afraid, just know that when God created you, that one, the one, the creator of heaven and earth, let's stop. This is good. I hope I don't fall off. If I fall off, just keep on praising God like something, nothing happened, okay? We serve a systematic God. Let me explain it to you. I'm going to take it all the way back to Genesis. God created the heavens and the earth, didn't he? Yes. He created the sun. Oh, sorry. He created the day and night. Then he separated the waters from the earth. Why didn't he create the animals first? Think about it. If he had created the animals first and he put the animals that were meant to roam around on land, they would drown in the water because there was no separation. If he had not created the day and night, then the animals that were meant to live at night or the animals were supposed to live in the day, they would never know the difference. So meaning, if God took enough time to separate day and night, separate the waters, so then to create the animals so they could succeed in the purpose for which he had created them, why wouldn't he do that with you? Why wouldn't he create a perfect purpose for you? See, a lot of times, and I like to think of it this way, we're a puzzle piece. A puzzle piece by itself has no meaning. But when you connect it in the purpose, in the shape that it was cut, in the way that it was prepared, it then brings more light to the rest of the bigger image. See, Saul and Barnabas were a specific puzzle piece for their period in time. Uh, I like or I don't like when people say, I was, born in, I was born in the wrong era. I'm a 70s baby. Like, you know, that's what I relate to. And like, yeah, so like 80s and 70s all day. Yes, I could talk like that. <laughs> but it bothers me because what you're saying is God created you or brought you at the wrong time. That would mean that God made a mistake with you. Which is not the case because we're all here for such a time as this. We are all here because we're all going to be reaching out, declaring the word of God to those that know. We're going to declare that God is still God. He is Alpha and Omega, beginning and the end, and he will never falter. When we choose to ignore it, we're leaving people on the sidelines. I had a conversation with somebody this week. They're like, hey, uh, I was at my job, and, and, the, and the Lord put this on my heart, and he shared it with me. And this may be a little bit too revealing, but I'm just being transparent. I got the lights on me. It is what it is. I was praying and fasting for something specific in my life, one of them being today. 
And I remember saying, God, I need exceedingly and abundantly more than what I could ever imagine I could do. Because it's not about me, it's to bring you honor and glory. And as I was sitting in my living room on Thursday, this was Tuesday, on Thursday, they're like, hey, um, can I talk to you? And I was like, sure. And they dropped the word on me. And it was the answer to my prayer. And I was like, man, that was fast. I didn't know God had Amazon Prime. <laughs> Two-day shipping, real quick. But the thing is, the person that shared what the Lord had put in their heart, they got that on Tuesday. But they sit on it for two days. So for two days, I continue praying and fasting for the same answer. What I'm trying to say is this person had the answer to my prayer. This person was sitting on my purpose. This person didn't know how much desperate, how desperate I was to hear what I needed to hear. So when we choose to ignore what the Lord is calling us to do, when we choose to ignore the purpose that we have been called to, there's people who are sitting waiting for an answer and you could be it. There's things that are waiting to happen that are just waiting for people to answer all the missed calls they have from God. One of them being their purpose. Now the third thing, or the third thing that, that the reason why people ignore their call, the, the, the reason they have been called to or their purpose. This is actually my favorite. I wrote it down and I was just like, oh God, that was good. I know I didn't come up with that, but you the man. God's calling for our purpose will interrupt someone else's plans for your life, including your own. I'm going to say that one more time. God's calling for our purpose will interrupt someone else's plan for your life, including your own. Saul's plan in his life was to kill Christians, but God had a calling over his life. So his plan became, it dissolved, it disappeared when the calling came over his life. When he had the encounter with God, all that changed. Can I give you guys a little extra? Who wants a little extra by a show of hands? You guys don't want extra. Do you guys really want extra? Like, be real. It's going to take us like an extra five minutes. Yes? All right, we'll give you a little extra. People who ignore what they've been called to do will often attach themselves to people who have answered the call. So what ends up happening is, and I get, this is going to be very fast, okay? I promise it was extra. It wasn't, I've just, I prepared it just in case, and you guys wanted some. So here it is. In verse, chapter, uh, chapter 13, verse 4, the, sorry, as we were reading through the scripture, the people that were called were Saul and Barnabas, right? That's what we agreed. That's what we read. But in verse 4, we see that John Mark went along as a helper, quote, unquote, as a helper. John Mark wasn't called. So then in verse 13, we see that he leaves back to Jerusalem on a higher calling. Fake. Chapter 15 in the, in the book of Acts, we see that Saul and Barnabas are actually arguing because Saul and Barnabas want to do, they want to do like tour part two, right? Because they already toured once. They want to do another tour sharing the message, but they get into an argument because they're arguing about John Mark because in that chapter, it says that John Mark left them hanging high and dry. Because John Mark went to a place that he wasn't called to. So because he went to a place that he wasn't called to, then he became an interruption and a divine appointment that was for Saul and Barnabas. But that was just extra. Let's go back to the text. So if you're taking notes, I want you to write the word warning. And I want you to write it three times. The reason I want you to write it three times is because consider this your public announcement, POS, right? 
Is that, is that right? Did I say that right? Sorry. Sometimes I get Telemundo in my head, and it doesn't come out right because I learned Spanish before I did English. So my English sometimes gets a little tangled up. So just bear with me and just agree even if it doesn't make sense, okay? When you start serving according to the purpose you have been called to, you will have some haters. When you start serving in what you have been called to, you will have some haters. See, we're going to go back to, I've told you, I'm paraphrasing the whole chapter so you can read it at home and get the full detail. But I just want to give you a 30,000-foot view. See, when uh, Saul and Barnabas, after they spoke to Bar Jesus and called him a demon, right, they then went to the synagogue. And in the synagogue, they were reading the law. The, and they were reading the law because the law brings judgment. They didn't really believe that Jesus had risen on the third day. So they just would read the law. They wouldn't talk about the grace that's found in Jesus. And I'm sorry that I'm going kind of fast. I'm just really excited. So what ends up happening is they invite him to the synagogue. And after they finish reading the law, they say, hey, Saul, you got a couple words you want to drop in the crowd? It's like open mic night. It's like, hey, man, drop a verse for us. You're a missionary. Go ahead, bro. Let it rip. 16 bars, right? Mom's spaghetti, you know? Anybody in the house that knows mom's spaghetti? No. If you do, ask for repentance now. <laughs> anyway, so what ends up happening is Saul, Saul ends up speaking, and he shares a message. He goes from the beginning of the Old Testament all the way to Jesus' death and his resurrection. And the people there are so excited to hear it, they just, they're overwhelmed at the fact that he speaks that Jesus is the perfect sacrifice, and they can't get enough. Now, because he was in the synagogue, typically the people that would hang out in the synagogue would be Jews. But for this particular instance, in chapter 13, there was Gentiles in there as well. And the message was so strong, the message was so powerful. The reason it was so powerful is because we see verse 2 that they fasted and prayed. Now, the result of fasting and prayer is that when he started preaching, there was so much power involved that something changed. That the word not only stayed within the synagogue, it reached everybody else, like the Gentiles. But let me tell you why that's so important. Uh, Acts chapter 9, uh, sorry, Acts chapter 9, Acts chapter 11, verse 19. And this is why it's so important. Now those who were scattered because of the persecution, they're talking about Jerusalem, traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one, no one except Jews, except the Jews, right? No one but the Jews only. So for the first time, they are hearing the word of God. Because even though Jerusalem was the center point, and when persecution started, yes, they spread out, but nobody was speaking to us. Me and you would be out of luck. We'd be like, what they talking about? Hush, hush. They saying for you, bro. It's above your pay grade. You ain't with Jesus? Oh, you know bar Jesus is what it is, <laughs> right? What ends up happening is they weren't sharing the word with the Gentiles. So what I'm trying to say is when Paul spoke in the synagogue, he spoke to the Jews and the Gentiles. The Bible says that the following week, the following Sabbath, almost the whole city, the whole town showed up to hear the same message. He didn't have a message series. He didn't have a fancy, catchy title like The Church in the Wild or Love, Dates, and Relationships, right? He didn't, he didn't have anything fancy. He just had the message of grace. But what ends up happening is the people in the synagogue became jealous and started hating on him. The people that are supposed to be excited that there's more people added into the church are now upset that there's so many people in the church. Uh, my brother-in-law, who's a pastor over in Florida, preached a sermon one time, and it always stuck with me. 
because it was never more true and it's still true today. People don't come to church, A, because they were a Christian or they know a Christian. And it always stuck with me because I might be an example of what a Christian would be, somebody who is Christ-like. Now, I understand we're not perfect, but we're making progression. If I hurt somebody, do I go back and apologize or is my pride too big to go back and let them know that there is forgiveness? See, when we're called to a purpose, when we're called to do something, great things happen. See, what Paul and Barnabas were called to do was the turning point in the history of the church today. This is over 2,000 years ago. How is it, how is it that these two men would change the history of the church? See, Acts chapter 13, the, the central point I mentioned was, mentioned was Jerusalem. But then, as they began to spread out, it went to Antioch. By Acts chapter 19, the center would be Ephesus, which is modern-day Turkey. What ends up happening is the word didn't stay in Antioch. It didn't stay where they were traveling, where they were going. It just continued spreading and growing and growing. What, ended, what they were doing, they were fulfilling the Great Commission. And you're like, what the heck is a Great Commission? I'm glad you asked because it's actually point number three. Point number three is we are called to make disciples. And when we see the Great Commission in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. And it says like this in Matthew 28, verse 19. Therefore, uh, therefore uh, go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. By the end of chapter 13, not only was the whole town, Jews and Gentiles alike, listening to the word of God, it says specifically that the whole region was there listening to the word of God. The word went from only being in synagogues and to the Jews to people like you and I. The word of God began to be shared with all these people. But look what it took to get there. It took them fasting and praying. After they fasted and prayed, then they went. Then they started serving a call uh, according to the purpose that they had been called to. So because they were the specific puzzle piece for that specific area, they then had the growth that only God can provide. See, because if you could do it, then it's on you. There's a reason why we say God can do all things. There's a reason why the Bible says that everything finds its purpose in him and through him, not around him. See, when you try to do things on your own, you then have to pay for it on your own. See, think about that. If I were, if I were to execute my own purpose out of God's will, what would, what, would I be, what would I be responsible for? The whole thing. The nice part is, and that people take advantage of, which is actually kind of sad, is that we become gold diggers to Jesus. If you don't know what a gold digger is, somebody who takes advantage of somebody else because of the benefits that they get from the other person. See, a relationship is a mutual understanding of love. And before you loved him, he loved you enough that he sent his only begotten son to die on the cross. Uh, It says because because he loved the world, he loved ahead of time. He loved you before he chose him. Imagine if relationships in our everyday lives work that same way. If people love you before you love them, how much nicer would the world be? Take that into a thought. Isn't that what we're supposed to do for everybody else as Christians? 
isn't that what we're supposed to do is to demonstrate God's love? And I realize it's not something that we are used to doing because there's, there's so much corruption happening, especially nowadays because anybody who's nice to us, I've been guilty of it. What do you want from me? Are you trying to sell me something? No, I'm not going to buy any more Girl Scout cookies. I got four boxes in the back. I'm cool. No, I'm not getting any solar panels. Stop calling. No, I'm not joining Amway. <laughs> When was the last time you loved somebody or shared God's love without getting anything in return? When was the last time you shared grace without expecting anything in return? See, in the book of Acts, 40 cities received the gospel through Paul. He didn't have internet. He didn't have social media. He had bars, though. Oh, you guys, bars? He was in jail, bars? Don't feel bad. My jokes will get better. It's almost the end of service. <laughs> he had horsepower. Literally, he would ride a horse because he didn't have a car. They would use chariots and boats. And he managed to reach 40 cities because he answered the call or he fulfilled the call to which he was created for his purpose. He fasted and he prayed so he had power wherever he went. And the thing is, the message that he prayed or the message that he shared over 2,000 years ago is the same message we're still sharing today. And my God doesn't change. The word of God says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, his power is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It means his love endures forever. It means his message endures forever. Grace is still being extended today. Now, I realize we're facing difficult times. I realize we're in ugly stages as Christians, as a church. And when I say a church as the body of Christ, because of the unfairness that we're seeing all around us, but something that I learned here in the word of God is that when there was persecution, that's when the biggest growth happened. When we say, hey, we need prayer or we're called to prayer, what we're saying is let's double down. Let's prepare because there's something great coming. In Christianese, that would be a revival. <laughs> a revival brings about growth. A revival brings about the people that were once lost, the people that wouldn't set foot in the church are coming week after week saying, hey, I need to hear more about that message. And in the scriptures, in the, in the rest of chapter 13, I, I like what he said. I like the way that it closes because uh, Saul was an, was an OG, original gangster, right? Uh, and I laugh because he was the first person to officially dab in the Bible. And let me show you what I mean. And when you get to the end of chapter 13, you can text me, you can post it up on our social media page, whatever you want to do, you can look it up. He says that after they were hating on Saul and Barnabas for having the whole town there, they kicked them out. But before they did, they did one of these. They brushed the dust off their feet back on the people who were telling them. They were like, I'm out, I'm out. They dropped the mic. If it was today, they'd be like, I preached the word. I got you. I'm done. <laughs> the way you find confidence like that is in power that you find in fasting and prayer. 
The confidence that comes from fasting and prayer is when you step into the, into the purpose that God has called you to. And as you start to serve in the purpose that he has called you to, you then start sharing the great commission. And when people start getting saved, there's a joy that you can't contain. There's something inside of you that just gets loose because the power of God starts working through you. Remember I said everything finds its purpose in him and through him? The word says that I must decrease and he must increase. Less of me and more of you, God. What are we called to do? We are called to make disciples. We are called for the Great Commission. I want to show you this video. And then we're going to go ahead and close. But um, to a complete stranger is, is something that's actually kind of a, it's kind of an unknown ground that I've, that I've never really gone on to before. So um, I had one opportunity and some kind of lady just kind of, kind of uh, brushed it off. She said, oh, you know, maybe, maybe tomorrow, next time or whatever. And so go, okay, whatever. And, uh, but one lady, her name was Cindy, and um, she came up and I talked to her and asked her if I can pray with her. And I prayed with her. And a lot of the people are um, worried about uh, coronavirus and you know, their kids aren't in school. I think her, her particular issue was that she had kids that she wanted to have prayed for because they were having a hard time not um, being in school, in class. So I prayed with her about that. And so I just kind of opened up the, uh, after that, I just kind of felt this nudge from the Holy Spirit. Say, hey, you know, you, you need to you need to just talk to this lady, ask her where she's at with her salvation, where she's at with that in her life. So um, there's a point of me that's always just kind of felt this fear, like, you know, what do I say? I want to be able to say the right thing. I, I, I don't want to, like, say sound fabricated or whatnot. So I had kind of a little bit of a track that I, I looked on to just kind of help me get going. And um, as I started to talk to her, I, I realized the words just came, they just came out of me, and they came so natural to me. And it's so true, and, and I think the reasoning for that is because I'm listening to myself say these things, but... And, and I'm going, this is so true because every word that I know that I'm saying right now, I believe with a conviction in my heart, completely. I definitely try to talk about Jesus at work, but I've never honestly just taken that moment and um, to show them from the Bible and they can go to heaven. So um, when Daniel and I did a couple cards together, he's never done it. And so he's like, I'll watch you. I'm like, oh, great. Like, it's, it's been a while. So here we go. But like you said, it does come naturally because it doesn't become about you anymore. It becomes about the person you're talking to. And just hearing their backstories about, um, and one lady in particular, she had mentioned that she, she knows the Bible. She goes to church, she prays. And I asked her, well, has anybody actually showed you from the Bible how you know you're, gonna, you're on your way to heaven? And she's like, no, no one's ever shown me that. So I'm like, okay, here, I, here we go. And using, you know, the verses that we had and just giving her a clear presentation, she actually, um, we were able to pray together and she did get saved. And at the end I asked her, well, if, you know, 10 years from now, if I don't recognize you and I ask you, hey, are you going to heaven? What are you gonna say? She's like, oh, I know I'm going to heaven. And I know it's because I asked Christ into my life. Yes, let's give a round of applause to Daniel and Abby. <clears throat> that video was recorded after we did our backpack drive. That was a little about three to four weeks ago. 
and I like what they said. I was speaking the words, and there was so much conviction in my words that I was saying. He's like, I could hear myself saying those words. The Holy Spirit was working through him to speak to the person that was there in front of him. What he was experiencing was the time that he had spent in fasting and prayer was coming and being fulfilled like Paul did in the synagogue to the Gentiles. See, Daniel and Abby stepped up to the call to which was presented before them. If you haven't met Daniel and Abby, they're a wonderful couple. Shameless plug, I'm actually met them and we connected through a life group. Amazing people. We are called to prayer and family church. We are called for a purpose and we are called to make disciples. That's what we are being called to do today. I want you to go ahead and stand with me at this moment. If you're saying, uh, you know what, I really, I, I understand the message. I hear what you're saying, but I don't know the God that you're talking about. All these words would mean nothing if I didn't ex, uh, extend this invitation out to you. Or hey, maybe you were a Christian and you just drifted away because you had a negative encounter with somebody. On behalf of the church, I want to say sorry to you. But I want you to know that it wasn't, that was a human sign. God still loves you and he wants to heal you and he's here for you. With every eye closed and every head bowed, there is nothing that you have done that God can't forgive. Saul was a murderer. See, we come to God as we are, but we leave as we have been called. And if you want to accept Jesus Christ in your heart today, the one who has called you for a purpose, the one who designed you, I want you to just raise your hand there where you are for me. there where you are if you have been like where I was at one point in my life ignoring the call I want you to just you can we're going to open up the altar and the worship team is going to sing a song but if you're more comfortable just praying there where you are I invite you to do that if you're still here you still have time to answer that call We hope you were encouraged by today's message from Pastor Micaiah. If it was a blessing to you, don't forget to share it with a friend or family member this week. If you have any questions, we'd love to hear them. Get in touch with us by visiting SouthridgeSanJose.com slash connect. Again, that's SouthridgeSanJose.com slash connect.